Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Health and Safety Matters podcast. My name is Mark Sennett. I'm the CEO of Western Business Media, which is the publisher of Health and Safety Matters. Delighted that this podcast is once again sponsored by the Health and Safety event, which takes place between the 7th and 9th of September 2021 at the NEC in Birmingham. Now, if you're not familiar with the event, it's actually co-located with the fire safety event, the facilities event and the security event. And one ticket gets you access to all of those shows. And it takes place between the 7th to 9th of September at the NEC in Birmingham. And there's a huge amount of CPD content on offer. In fact, HSM Magazine puts on one of the theatres there, the Health and Safety Knowledge Exchange, which is sponsored by Southalls. So do go to the show if you can. You can find more information online and you can register completely for free. And all you need to do is go to www.healthandsafetyevent.com dot com so just a little bit more housekeeping before we start the news as always obviously we'd love you guys to sign up to receive a copy of the magazine for free if you'd like to get health and safety matters magazine you can get it six times a year either in digital or print format all you need to do is go to our website www.hsmsearch.com and you can sign up to get a copy of the magazine six times a year and you also get the bsif annual guide and the pp insights guide that comes out once a year each as well. We also have a twice a week e-newsletter that you can sign up to for free. And we've got more than 50,000 health and safety professionals that do so. We've got a huge catalogue and back catalogue of webinars on our website. So all you need to do is go to hsmsearch.com and click on the webinars tab. And you can go back through dozens of previous webinars and actually get CPD for it as well. And I'm not sure if you know, you actually get informal CPD from the Institute of Fire Safety Managers just for reading Health and Safety Matters magazine. So it's definitely well worth you taking a read, if I do say so myself. And you can also see all the latest news, prosecutions, products and services on our website, hsmsearch.com. Anyway, let's start off with the news. And it's been uh, it's been another busy month in terms of news, for sure. And I want to start off with the big news coming out of the Institution of Occupational Safety and Health. IOSH, for short, obviously. And they have announced that Vanessa Harwood Witcher is going to be their new chief executive. Currently, she's IOSH's Director of Professional Services, and Vanessa will succeed Bev Messenger, who retires this summer. So, I don't need to say who IOSH is. Obviously, you're very familiar with IOSH, and many of you will be IOSH members. But I'll tell you a little bit more about Vanessa. In her existing role, which she's held since November 2017, Vanessa has overseen significant improvements in the support of IOSH in terms of what it offers to its members and enhanced the standing of the OSH profession. A key objective... That is, I should say, a key objective of IOSH's five-year strategy, and Vanessa has been a key part of that. So during the pandemic, IOSH has done a lot to try and support its members, and Vanessa says that she's keen to continue with this, as well as, as I said a moment ago, make sure IOSH delivers its five-year strategy, Work 2022, and oversee the implementation of that new strategy for next year. So speaking on her appointment, Vanessa said, I'm delighted to be able to succeed Bev in this important role at such a critical time for our profession. Under Bev's leadership, we've made huge strides towards delivering our strategy, enhancing the OSH profession and collaborating with partner organisations to expand our influence in key areas around the world. We're really focused on building on this in the coming months and years, and I look forward to working closely with IOSH members, including our council and presidential team, the board of trustees and colleagues within IOSH to secure further the progress. So when talking about her appointment, Ayosh highlights some of the improvements that Vanessa's overseen from the membership offer. And that includes implementation of a competency framework to help the Osh profession develop the broader range of skills, knowledge and behaviours. And they now need to influence 
and drive in workplaces. Added to this has been the introduction of the Future Leaders community and the new student membership category to ensure there's a pipeline of new talent into the profession. And that's absolutely key. You know, you want to try and get more and more young people into the profession and realise it's a fantastic career and it, it can take you all over the place to fantastic fantastic places you'd never expect to go one day you could be you know I've, we've got readers you listeners who who work for formula one teams or uh, airlines or huge retail outlets or the shard and you know it, it you can work in fantastic places as you know because health and safety is important in every workplace so you can't just look at it from the health and safety inverted commas mindset that people have in the past to, to put down the profession you can have a fantastic career, which is so wide ranging, it can take you over the world. You know, I've been fortunate to go all over the world covering health and safety. It's not what I expected to do when I was becoming a journalist, to be going to Dubai, for example, or Germany or Holland to do with health and safety covering it. But I've loved every moment of it. And I think that student membership category is a great thing. And they've also launched a new careers hub for members, as was a platform to facilitate mentoring among professionals. So it's worth saying a timeline has not yet been put in place for the transition of leadership. They will continue in post to facilitate a smooth transition while recruitment begins to replace Vanessa as director of professional services. But the aim is the summer by the sound of things. So Bev Messenger commented on the announcement and Bev says, Vanessa has demonstrated very credible leadership skills as director of professional services and I look forward to working with her and the rest of the senior leadership team to ensure a smooth transition. I'm confident I will be leaving IOSH in very good hands with Vanessa as chief executive, backed up by an excellent senior leadership team. Well, there's not a lot I can add to this other than to say thank you to Bev for all the support that she's shown HSM. She's been on this podcast before and I shall be involved in the HSM Live digital conference that's happening in October later this year. And, you know, we're hugely grateful for all of her support and Ayosha's support and wish her all the best in her retirement. But of course, wouldn't be without saying at this point that congratulations to Vanessa as well um sounds like it's a really exciting internal appointment it's always great to see organizations promote from within and I wish her the very best of luck in this new role and we look forward to hopefully getting her on the podcast very soon we've already put feelers out for that so moving on to our next news story, and this is all to do with Rosper and Nibosh having signed a memorandum of understanding to further their close, long-established working relationship. So the agreement between the two UK-based safety charities will encourage further collaborative efforts to promote awareness of both organisations with the aim of enhancing health and safety in the workplace and for the wider community at large. So Errol Taylor, who's the chief executive of Rosper, which if you don't know is the Royal Society for the Prevention of Accidents, said... Society and working lives have changed rapidly in response to the global COVID-19 pandemic. More people than ever before are working from home and relying on online systems rather than travelling to their traditional workplace. The home delivery sector has boomed with high streets having gone very quiet. Much of this change will be a permanent legacy from the pandemic and we must adapt to help employers and employees protect the well-being of their staff wherever they are and whatever they're doing. Rosper's research shows that up to 10 times more accidents happen in homes than in workplaces. So there's plenty of work to do to improve the safety of home workers. This MLU strengthens our partnership with Nibosh and offers the potential to achieve far more together than might possibly 
be done by working separately. So Dr. Chris Payne, who's the chief executive of NIBOSH, the National Examination Board of Occupational Safety and Health. Not often that I actually spell out what uh, NIBOSH stands for. And obviously Chris has been a, a previous guest on the HSM podcast because he's only recently taken up post. But he commented on this MOU and he said, at NIBOSH, we're proud of the work that we do in increasing education, our qualification and those who achieve them help organisations across the world protect people. We have a long-standing relationship with ROSPA and it's a privilege to sign this memorandum of understanding together. We are committed to a relationship that will contribute to the ongoing health and safety education and excellence. I'm excited to see what opportunities and improvements we can bring to the sector. So yeah, this is all good news and I'm sure they'll, they'll go into further details of exactly what the extended relationship this MOU will mean but it's an interesting topic I mean I've talked from personal experience before about the challenges of home working we recently did an ergonomics webinar which you can see on uh, hsmsearch.com on the webinars tab and and just talks about about musculoskeletal well that's easy for me to say musculoskeletal um, diseases and and those injuries there from slouching at a computer, you know, I'm talking to you from my office desk at the moment, and I, I hope I'm ergonomically set up, but we actually got our own staff to, to watch this um, that we did. It was with Eco Online, and it, it, it's amazing how easy it is when you're working from home because of this pandemic to just get into bad habits. Uh, staff sitting in their bed with a laptop on them or hunched over a laptop on their sofa that is not good for your back, neck, etc. And it's a very easy way to, to get injured, let alone, you know, other things. You know, many companies have not been able to risk assess homeworking and, and, and they need to ultimately. As employers, it is our responsibility to make sure that our employees are safe wherever they work. So I think Rosper's comments on this are very valid and this MOU seems nothing but a good thing. And they've obviously got a long standing relationship with Nebosh. And, and, and talking about Nebosh, they've been very proactive in recent uh, months and years of, of working with as many other associations and, and partners and charities as possible to really broaden their influence. And they truly are a, a global force now, Nebosh, with their qualifications happening all over the world. You know, I can't go to an event overseas and not see people talking about Nebosh or talking to Nebosh at those events. So it's great to see that they're moving forward. And, and for Nebosh, it's been a very difficult 12 months as you'd imagine because you know for their training partners etc a lot of stuff has always been in classroom and that just hasn't been possible because of the pandemic but Nibosh have really acted quickly to work with their, their partners and working um, themselves to, to really make a transition so education can be brought to people's homes rather than uh, you know, digitally rather than having to get out of the office and so we wish both of the best luck on this MOU but if you want to find out more information about it go to nibosh.org.uk or go to the Rospa website, www.rospa.com. So normally at this point, I would introduce our first guest of the day, but we've actually got one guest this time, not because I'm getting lazy, uh, but it's actually because um, we recently did a webinar with Martor, and it was all about preventing knife injuries. And I got so bombarded with questions from that, I actually committed on air to going over the questions we couldn't ask as a Q&A on this podcast. So that's what we're going to do later. So I'm actually going to plow ahead with the last two news stories. I always give you four news stories. 
stories. So I'm, I'm not going to uh, diddle you out of anything. And it certainly won't be a shorter podcast because, one, we all know I can rattle on. But two, we've really gone in depth with these questions with Martor. And, and those guys were, were great to deal with. So... Now is the time really to go into our third news story, which is a really sad story. You know, every so often, obviously, I bring up a prosecution on this podcast. Now, HSM does a lot of coverage on prosecutions for health and safety, which you can see on our website, HSM Search, and we have pages of it in the magazine. And it is one of the most read parts of content that we do, to be honest, because it's a really a chance for all of you to learn from others' mistakes so no one makes the same mistake. And this one... Yeah, it's a particularly sad one, and it's a big fine. It's a million-pound fine for Drayton Manor Park, which is, or I should say Drayton Manor Park Limited, which is currently in administration. Now, we're all, I'd imagine, familiar with the theme park, Drayton Manor Park, and this £1 million fine uh, comes from the death of a schoolgirl on its Splash Canyon water ride in 2017. So Stratford Crown Court heard on the 9th of May 2017, 11-year-old Ihar Janath was on a school trip when she fell out of a raft on the Splash Canyon water ride. Um, and she was able to wade to the conveyor belt in the water at the end of the ride and climbed onto it. But then she fell into a section of deep water and uh, tragically drowned. An investigation by the Health and Safety Executive found... The risk assessment in place was not suitable and sufficient, and it did not properly assess or address the risk of passengers being ejected, falling out of the raft, despite previous similar incidents. There were inadequate control measures in place to detect a person in water, as the CCTV only covered half the ride, and the CCTV monitors were not suitable for observing passenger behaviour appropriately. In addition, there was no system at the park to rescue anyone who'd fallen into water. Drayton Manor Park Limited, in administration of Tamworth, Staffordshire, pleaded guilty to breaching Section 3.1 of the Health and Safety Work Act 1974 and was fined £1,000,000. Drayton Manor Park has changed hands since the incident and is now owned and operated by Drayton Manor Resort Limited. Speaking at the hearing, HC's Principal Inspector Lynn Spooner said, as a result of Drayton Manor's failings, an 11-year-old died at the end of what should have been a fun day out. The risks from ejection from the raft had been evident to Drayton Manor for some time, yet they still failed to take the action that could have prevented Eva's death. This is a tragic event that should never have happened, and my thoughts remain, and those of the HSE with Eva's family and friends. Well, this is, as I said, an absolutely tragic story. It's a huge fine, and obviously Drayton Manor Park has changed hands now in terms of ownership. And, you know, it, it's a ride I'm very familiar with. I've been on with my children. You know, I've got nine-year-old children, Cody and Grace, and, uh, you know, they can very easily get hyper on a ride like this move around. For those of you who can't picture it, if you've been to a theme park before, it's one of those river rapid rides, effectively, where you sit in a huge... Um, circular rubber ring and you, you you go down. It doesn't really have drops or anything like that. You just kind of go around a big canal kind of thing, you know, with, with bumps and water splashing. But the problem with those rides, of course, is that you can you can stand up in them. You're not harnessed in or anything like that. And you're always given key information by all theme park operators to stay seated at all times. But in this incident, obviously the HSE has identified a number of failings and it's and it's truly Tragic, tragic story. And yeah, obviously our, our, our sympathies go to the family, um, which is, you know, just dreadful story. But 
it's easy to imagine how these unfortunate things can happen like this if proper safety measures aren't taking place. You know, I love taking my kids to theme parks. Absolutely love it. And they and they are adrenaline junkies, even at nine, going on roller coasters, etc. And, and rides like this. But I think us as parents, us as patrons of uh, visitors of, of these theme parks, you just presume that you're going to be safe. You presume proper risk assessment's going to... I mean, even me, you know, even though I cover health and safety, I, I for some reason, I just feel safer in a theme park than I do going to a, uh, a fair that, you know, is in there for a couple of days. You just have that sense of security that this is this is going to be safe. It's, it's, it'll be risk assessed. This is what they do. It's here permanently. And unfortunately, in this incident, that um, failings happened. Um, but, you know, the ride's um, obviously been fully reviewed since then. And, you know, Drayton Manor uh, Park is, 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 is a great place to go for families. And it's just such a tragedy for all involved. But I thought I'd share that one with you because I think a lot of us can relate to it. And it's also a very, very big fine for health and safety as well. So we're talking about the health and safety executive there who obviously investigated the um, the incident and, and, and led the prosecution. Well, health and safety matters are actually um, working with the health and safety executive to give you guys a free risk management webinar. This takes place on the 25th of May at 10.30 a.m. And I'm really excited about this. It's obviously a free to attend webinar and you'll all get CPD for attending. We've already had over 4,000 people register for this and we're a month out. And it is on managing risk from assessment to control, bringing your risk assessment to life. So effective risk management systems allow an organisation large or small to meet its legal requirements in protecting workers by not only identifying risk, but putting in place measures to ensure adequate risk controls. Too often risk assessments become a tick box exercise but it's vitally important the organisation is mindful of the risks and that they're identified and it takes ongoing action to monitor and manage them. This strong focus on worker health safety in turn benefits organisational performance. So supported by us, Health and Safety Matters magazine, the Health and Safety Executive are offering this free webinar to organisations looking to understand and control different types of risks in their workplaces. This webinar will feature a panel of experts from HSE, including HM Health and Safety Inspectors and Nibosh, who will discuss current guidance and principles in tackling risks. It will also be taking questions from you guys as well during the webinar and highlighting resources, products and services that can help you build a successful risk management program that protects employees from harm. So the panel is quite extensive and I'm really grateful to the Health and Safety Executive for allowing us to work with them on this and helping put it together because it's not often you can get direct access to HSE inspectors, but you certainly have here. So the panel presenters, well, myself, I'll, I'll be introducing it, but the session will be chaired by Matt Bertels, who's the Principal Ergonomics and Human Factors Consultant at the HSE, Kim Ross, who is in, uh, HM Inspector at the Health and Safety Executive, Ron Macbeth, who's the Risk Assessment Technical Lead at the Health and Safety Executive, Matt Powell-Howard, who is the Head of Learning and Partnerships at Nibosh, and Nick Rigby, who's a Principal Inspector at the HSE. So we've got two inspectors there. I say one's a principal inspector. And, uh, you know, we've got the principal ergonomics and human factors consultant in there. It's great to have Nibosh involved and obviously a risk assessment technical lead. It is an it is an all-star panel, that one, and it's completely free for you to attend. It You will get a CPD certificate 
for attending. It takes place on the 25th of May, 10.30 to 11.30 in the morning. You can get your questions in. We'll obviously be covering in depth. You will be able to watch it on demand after, but I really encourage you to go live because there's nothing like the live feel of these webinars where you can just ask your questions away. It's a free learning resource for you. And over 4,000 of you have already signed up in over three weeks. I'm phenomenally grateful to you guys for continuing to support our webinars. So... Please do sign up to this webinar. All you need to do is go to hsmsearch.com and click on the webinars tab, which is on the orange tab at the top of the uh, website. But while we're talking about webinars, we do have a lot of other stuff upcoming. J just on the 28th of April, we've got the BSIF and HSM PPE conference, where, again, we've got the HSE involved. We've got trading standards. We've got the primary authority for the BSIF involved as well. It is covering PPE head to toe. It is a must-attend event. It's free. It's all day. It goes 10 in the morning till 3 in the afternoon, and then it ends at 3 o'clock, or 3.15 to be precise, with the Safety and Health Excellence Awards 2020. Yes, I did say 2020. We're finally revealing the winners of the Safety and Health Excellence Awards, which were postponed from last year. It is um, being hosted by impressionist Alistair McGowan, who's going to do a comedy set and going to introduce the winners of all 14 categories. We're so excited that we're finally able to do this. It's completely free for you to attend. You get six hours of CPD. Please do come again, hsmsearch.com and click on the webinars tab and you can sign up for free there. In fact, on that one, you can even network with other delegates. You can create your own tables to sit on other people's tables where you can send direct messages or do video calls. You can look through an archive of resources in the sponsors sections from companies like Alchemist and 3M and Lyrico and the Safety Knife Company. There's loads of videos and resources you can go to completely free. Please, please do consider attending on the 28th of April. And other upcoming webinars. Well, we've got one on the 29th of April as well. This is with Airsweb on changing behaviours and reducing risk through gamification. Now, again, if you do hear this after the 29th of April, you can watch that webinar on demand. We've, we've got another webinar coming up as well with 3M on welding and grinding, improving worker health throughout better understanding the hazards and provisional of PPE. So it's it's PPE equipment to do with welding and grinding. That takes place on the 6th of May at 10.30 a.m. We've got the, also from our sister publication, Fire Safety Matters, BAFE are delivering a fantastic webinar on the necessity for evacuation alert systems. That takes place on the 13th of May at 10.30am. Then we go to another excellent session with Eco Online, who did that ergonomics one I told you about before, musculoskeletal disease one, I should really say. So this talks about how Brexit has impacted chemical safety legislation in 2021. And in fact, we've, we've had Eco Online talking about chemical safety on a previous edition of this HSM podcast. So that takes place on the 18th of May, day before my birthday. I'm looking forward to gearing up for that one before a couple of drinks, hopefully the next day, because I'm hoping the pubs will be open indoors and out by then. Um, so then we've also got uh, another one, um, which is the future is here. See how you could bring your automated journey to life. That's the 2nd of June with our sister publication, Handling and Storage Solutions. That's been done with Lindy. And it's all about um, UK's automated solutions to the material handling sector. Uh, so it'll talk about um, the automation process. It'll also talk about um, Lindy's um, full turnkey solution. So 
it's definitely worth you stopping by and listening to that one. Again, completely free for you to attend. Now, we also have a specialist fire safety legal conference taking place on the 14th of May, which is enforcing the fire safety order. Now, again, that is a, a, a session. That one actually is chargeable because it's been delivered by Warren Spencer from Blackhurst Bud Solicitors. And he's also obviously a regular contributor on the Fire Safety Matters podcast that, that we do. So that's at 10.30am on Friday the 14th of May. And Warren has done more prosecutions in the Fire Safety Order than anybody else. And he's going to be working with his colleague, James Aird, and they'll prevent seven case studies outlining typical issues that arise with fire safety related prosecutions and focusing on defence cases and enforcement notice appeals. So it really is a serious insight on how you need to comply with the fire safety order and common failings. So again, all of these webinars, I expect you to remember all that, but hopefully a few of them would have piqued your interest. And as it has, all you need to do is go to our website, www.hsmsearch.com, click on the webinars tab at the top right and sign up to any or all of those and you get CPD for all of them. So... Now it's time, as always, to introduce our guests for this episode. But it's not one guest, it's two guests. Because back in March, HSM partnered with Martor to do a webinar. Yes, I'm talking about webinars again, but this was all to do with knife injuries being the blind spot of British industry, to learn how to stop them. We were just bombarded with questions. Uh, it was a fantastic session and well worth a look. If you haven't watched it, please do. Again, go to the same link I've been telling you about all day, hsmsearch.com. And click on the webinars tab. You can look at the Martor webinar, which is titled, as I said, Knife Injuries of the Buying Spot of British Industry. Learn how to stop them. And gosh, we had so many things. This webinar covered identifying knife hazards, managing the risks and hidden costs resulting from poor knife control. So it talked about how to prevent knife injuries and stop product damages from careless knife use and how to introduce productivity from using the correct knife for the job and eliminating hidden costs related to each knife injury. So it also highlighted employers' liabilities under the pure regs. So the reason I'm giving you the overview of it is we just couldn't get through it all. You know, so many questions. I think it was over 150 questions. It was, it was ridiculous how many questions we had in. And it was led by Ian Suggett, who's the regional sales manager for Martor, and Chris Brown, the sales marketing director at Martor. And it also had Alan Murray from the British Safety Industry Federation, who's the CEO there, of course, um, talking about knife injuries. And we just said on air, and I'm saying again now, Ian and Chris and I thought, God, there's so many questions. There's so many unanswered questions you got sent in. How can we get these questions out for you guys to enjoy? Because it clearly it was an area of interest for you. So I said on air, well, let's get them on the podcast, get them on the HSM podcast and ask a load of questions. So I'm delighted to now be joined by Ian Suggett and Chris Brown from Martel. <laughs> Good morning, Ian and Chris. How are you both? I'll start off with Ian. Are you well? Very well, thank you very much. And Chris, how are you? Yeah, fine, a bit chilly right now. Yes, it certainly hasn't got any warmer. That's true. Well, we've obviously worked quite closely together in recent weeks, which we'll talk about in a bit because we did a fantastic webinar all to do with knife injuries. But I want to use this opportunity on the podcast to talk a little bit more about Martor, and then we're going to go on to some of the many, many questions that we had in the webinar that we just couldn't cover, and we're actually going to answer questions that were sent in by our by our listeners. But before we do that, Ian, for people that aren't necessarily familiar with Martor, can you tell us a bit about the products you've had out in recent months or years? 
Okay, so yeah, um, so over the last two or three years, we've had a number of new knives coming out that's going to be replacing the ones that have been out for over 20 years. Main been looking at making the, the change of the blade much easier and safer. We have the original old left and right handers, so you'd have to buy two knives just to accommodate for majority of the of the users. Now we've got just the one. Um, we've always even put a, a magnet behind the, the blade, making it much, much safer to change the, the actual blade. We're also happy to say that we've now into the market with ceramic blades. Now, I'm not saying that ceramic is everything, but we've just got the option that if anybody needs the ceramic blade, we've got the option to be putting that into our existing handles, but we still want to be making sure that the, the ceramic blade is the ideal blade for whatever the application is. So Chris, if I can bring you in a minute, without you giving away any trade secrets, can you tell us a few things you might have on your upcoming product pipeline, please? We are working on an awful lot of things at the moment, and some of it is is quite confidential. But building on what Ian was saying, we're, we're looking at simplifying some of the way that our, that our knives work. Again, we mentioned blade change, but there's some other subtle things we're looking at to make them easier to for people to have in their hands day in day out one area we're really working on very hard at the moment is the metal detectable range we already have a range but we're just trying to fill it out with more options uh, so it's closer to the size of the the, the standard range uh, this is really really important the food and the pharmaceutical industries a very big area for us and for and there's an awful lot of cutting which has to be free of uh, foreign object debris and that's why metal detectable is so important for us in addition to that we've got some other ideas um, which we think are going to be really neat and open up new applications for us but that is confidential but we're looking at a couple of activities in q2 next year, year in 2022 that's worth waiting for well, it sounds like you're quite a bit planned and seeing the interest in the in the webinar that we did recently, we did it back on the 18th of March, so not long ago, and it is available for everyone to listen again and watch on demand, and I'll share the link with you all in a moment. But for those of you who aren't familiar with the webinar, myself, Ian, Chris, and also Alan Murray from the British Safety Industry Federation did a webinar titled Knife Injuries, the Blind Spot of the British Industry, Learn How to Stop Them. We had loads and loads of questions coming. I'm not saying we were caught off guard, but we certainly had quite a few. And we just couldn't go through all of them in the Q&A side of things. So what we've decided to do, actually, is ask some of the questions today to Ian and also to Chris that I didn't get a chance to ask during the webinar, which I did promise I would do during the webinar. But for those of you that haven't listened or watched the webinar, you can do so. It's very visual. It's great video demonstrating things throughout it. All you need to do is go to our website, which is www.hsmsearch.com. And there's a little tab at the top called webinars. You can scroll down, you see a Martor logo and you'll see the title, Knife Injuries are the Blind Spot of British Industry, Learn How to Stop Them. So hsmsearch.com, click on the webinars tab. So I'm going to fire away straight away with some of these questions that we've had in. So the first question I'm going to ask to Chris, and it came in from Martin King of Cromwell. And Martin asked, what makes Martel safety knives different from other safety knives? That is a great question because it's very wide and open-ended. There's an awful lot of uh, knives out there on the market and offering different levels of safety or degrees of safety. I think the thing that I would see that characterises us is that we have a system of safety knives. We've got three levels of safety knives which mirror very closely the HSE guidelines. And we're always trying to move people 
to the safest part of the spectrum as possible. And that's what we do. We go in, we'll look at what people are doing and we'll say, right, well, we've got our SecuMax range, our SecuPro, our SecuNorm. We'll always try and choose the optimum one that can do the job efficiently, but as safely as possible. And that's the system that I don't believe anybody else has or anything as comprehensive as that. And I think that's important for us. I'm not, I'm not sure what, how, how Ian would see it. No, it's exactly, it's exactly right. But it's also the, um, the support and the... Um, I know the training is, is, is merely minimal now when it comes to changing blades and things, and we've made it that safe now. But they've still got the support of the safety posters, but the other important thing is us actually going out onto the sites and talking to the users. It makes it easier for the companies to, to make that switch because we're, we're, look, we're talking not only of the what is the safest option, but we're also looking at the more practical option. And, you know, can it actually do the job? And if it can do the job, then we look at the, uh, the, the, the safety aspect as well. And um, we don't want to walk out of a company at the end of the day with the end users thinking, right, well, that might not be able to do all my jobs, so I'm going to have to go look for something else. So we look at everything to make sure they're not going to go looking elsewhere. That's the difference between ourselves and and, uh, and the other ones at the minute, the other um, the other competitors. But the thing is, with the knives, there's a lot of knives out there, whether it's springbacks, retractables, they're all out there, but there's a lot, a lot of users don't know how to use them correctly. So the next question that we've had in, actually we had it in quite a few times, but I'm going to pick on Phil Walker from Consberg Automotive. Now, Phil asked the following question. What is your view on metal blades compared to ceramic? I'll give that to Chris, please. Okay, I'm sure Ian will want to chip in as well, because we have recently launched ceramic blades and there's definitely a, a market for ceramic blades. But what we find with ceramic bla blades is that there's a very tight process window in which they operate within that window they're really good but outside of that window you can have quite some problems what i mean by that is that a ceramic blade like any ceramic product tends to be brittle and fragile and if you drop it it's got a risk of shattering and that's no different in using it in a, a cutting environment where if you put too much tangential force onto it you're actually going to, to, to risk snapping it having said that they've got advantages of long life, they've got advantages of uh, not reacting to electricity and magnetism. But on the other hand, metal blades have been around for a long time and they are able to go from really thin to really thick to extremely sharp to less sharp. You can be have a lot more variety in a metal blade. So I think what we would say is that it depends on what you're doing as to whether you need a metal blade or a ceramic. It's not one or the other, and that's why we've got the choice of both. Ian, is there anything that you'd like to add to that? Yeah, uh, it's it's um, for, for us. There's a there's a, a certain market that the, the ceramic can can fit in. I think there's definitely something there for anybody who's wanting to switch to a from a, a craft type scalpel knife. Um, where they're using it like holding it like a pen, that there's not going to be as um, as much pressure being dragged onto the particular blade. Um, I find that they can be quite delicate blades. They will last longer, and I think they're a great option for switching away from a, a very very sharp scalpel craft knife. But in terms of uh, a knife that would be in a box cutter, a blade that should it, sorry would be in a box cutter, then um, I would always stick with steel. Okay, so the next question comes in from Nick Waythall at Valiant Group. So Nick asks, do you have knife blades with rounded off points to prevent puncture wounds? Start off with you, Chris. Yes. <laughs> These are 
sometimes called anti-stab blades. And the point about them is that they don't have a sharp point. And we find that the majority of tasks used with a, a, a knife and a blade don't require a, a, a pointed uh, end. If you can take out the point, you make it much less easy to pierce the skin. I don't know whether it's a factor of five or a factor of 10, but significantly less. And it means that you can get away with perhaps a, a cut-resistant glove rather than needing uh, an, an anti-stab glove, which are really expensive. So I think it's, uh, it's a very, very important feature of a safety knife to have a round tip blade. It just makes it that bit more safe. You tend to find that the round tip blades would be more featured in um, when it comes to the retail side because it also helps by not, um, when you're going too deep into that side of the box, you've got that rounded edge that's not going to grip into the, any of the clothing or fabrics yeah. and, and make that initial cut as well. So there's a, there's a couple of, of, of safety elements to the, to the round tips. They are becoming more and more popular. So the next question comes in from John Fisher at Fisher Consulting. I'll start off with you here, Chris. It's probably a quite simple answer for you. John just points out that it's all about cost here, to be honest, Chris. And he's saying, isn't it costly to get a knife for every single member of staff? Is there a more cost-effective way of doing it? Can I point that to you, Chris? Yeah, and I'm sure Ian as well, because the, the cost of a knife or equipping everyone in, in, in the place with a knife, yeah, for sure, it depends on what people are doing with it. If they're needing a knife in their job throughout the day, then they need to carry one around. But very often you can tether them to a workstation. You can have them uh, on a shadow board. So that overcomes that. Uh, I, I get a feeling you may also just be asking about whether knives per se are expensive. I think a knife is actually essential in a, in a workplace and with our knives, one of the great things is you buy it once and you don't buy it very often again because they last and last and last. And with the changeable uh, blades, all you're doing is changing the blade rather than the knife. Ian, do you want to come in there? Anything else to add? Yeah, no, I think Chris has covered most of it. It's, it's As we said, again, when we do our risk assessments, we, we, we do want to sit down and, and look and, and, um, and see if all the users would need a knife. Um, you know, can they be um, tethered up to a, a machine? And but also then again, it's it's we understand it, it can be expensive. But if the knife is as important as we would think there would be in in many of the production lines, manufacturing companies, shipping companies, um, warehouses, then it is an important tool. If the car, if they haven't got a knife, then the the, the boxes and the pallets can't be stripped. So, and I think it's it's that education of, uh, of how important they put that knife, and and that, and then th there is no argument then of of cost. Yeah, I know we we covered so many questions. We've still got another four. I'm going to ask you in a minute. But those of you that are listening right now, as I said, you can listen to the session on demand. You can watch it. It was a great video that the guys did as part of the presentation, really live demonstration. But the other thing to remember is you can get CPD certificate for attending. So it's well worth going to hmsearch.com and click on the webinars tab and watching it on demand. So as we now move on to another four questions, I'll start off with one again for Chris. This comes in from Andrew Miller from Business Environment. And Andrew says, do you feel that there is just as much need to educate the company as much as the employees when it comes to knife usage and safety requirements? Yeah, 100% agree. If you're trying to change people on anything, but let's stick to our knives. We're trying to change them on knives. You need to have a good safety environment, uh, a safety culture in the organisation. And if the top leadership 
are only paying lip service to it or not bothered, then we're simply not going to make any get any traction. The only way we would get traction in that case is where we can demonstrate that there's a financial benefit to avoiding claims, and when we can also demonstrate a very clear financial benefit from not damaging goods, which is something that we see in perhaps 70% of the risk assessments we do, that people are actually damaging goods, and it's a hidden cost because no one's coming forward and telling the boss that they've just managed to scratch a fridge or they've managed to tear a sofa or whatever it was that they were working on. So, uh, yeah, absolutely. It's really important that the company takes this seriously. It comes back to this, the point Ian was making, that you can't run a factory or any business uh, without a knife. Uh, so it's important you use the right knife and the safest knife. Okay, well, I'm going to move on to another question that's come in from Adrian Lee at ADL Associates. Start off with you on this, Chris. Is it not true that the majority of knife injuries occur in the catering and butchery sectors where very little safety knife technology is currently available? Well, the statistics for knife injuries are incredibly difficult to get hold of. They are aggregated, injuries uh, for knife injuries are aggregated within hand and other injuries. And so it's difficult to get hold of it. Certainly from the level of riddles that we see across uh, the work we do, we're not able to substantiate that. It could be that they are in catering and butchery. But in and I were just um, talking about this the other day with regard to trying to get hold of the data. And I think, Ian, you... You made a pretty good point, in my opinion. Yeah, well, in terms of the the sector you just talked about in in, in butchery, and I mean, we've, we've, you wouldn't find necessarily the, the the box cutters or the type of knives that we would be pushing and and safety knives in that environment. But it, the user um, will be skilled with the knife; they will know how to use that knife. So, in terms of if there is an accident in that. In that in that sector, then I would presume it could be quite a big one, quite a large one, and they are using dangerous knives. But the actual users are skilled and know how to use the tool. Where we come in is when people aren't using tools and knives on a regular basis, whether it's an agency um, staff or anything else like that. And you won't generally find that in that in that sector. So I would I would um, I wouldn't think that the, the the numbers in in there in the butchery would be high compared to the others. So the last couple of questions. The next one comes in from Stephanie Stainton from the Lincolnshire Salad Company, and obviously you talked about earlier, Chris, how the the food market, catering market, is a is a big sector for you. So Stephanie's asked, Demart or have any knives that are suitable for cutting vegetables like cabbages? I'm afraid to say we don't. That is a very difficult thing to be doing. You need a lot of force and you're going to be holding it in one hand and cutting it with the other. This is where PPE comes in. This is making sure that people are properly protected from the action that it takes to cut that cabbage with a large uh, with a large knife of some sort. Okay, we'll move on to the very final question. We'll start off with uh, you, Chris, and then we'll bring Ian in one last time. This comes in from Lucy Hayward at Bayer PLC. So she asks, I hope you don't mind me asking, but what should be in the use of knives at work policy, please? So if we had another half an hour, I could probably cover this in a bit more detail. It's actually a really dense area. But if I just pick out a few sort of headline points and we can actually share some ideas with anybody who's listening to this because we'd be more than happy to do that. Um, the first thing would be to take, organise the risk assessment to see what you're actually doing, see how you're doing it, look at what knives are being used and, and what, what tasks are being done. 
And from that, the first thing we would say is, is there anything there you can do to eliminate the hazard? Do you actually need to be using a knife? Is there another way of doing the job? And if there's not, then you have to look at how, how you go and shoot, make your selection of knives and what kind of policy you want in terms of what can you get away, away with in terms of maximum safety without completely compromising your productivity. Then you'll look at whether you need to be wearing PPE. And as you go through, you work through the next series of issues. You'll be looking at training, uh, instruction as information. Then you'll be looking at how you issue your knives, to whom do you issue it. We were talking earlier about do people have them individually? Do they have them uh, tethered? Then you look at the blades, and the blade changing is a huge area of uh, accidents, not only doing the, the blade changing, but when people leave the blade lying around, it's not properly disposed of, it, can, it, it is a risk. So then how are you going to get rid of that? And then you need to go, go through another point would be defect reporting and maintenance. So are people looking after it? Is it actually getting damaged? Does it perform the way it should do? So you can see that we can go on and on. You can even look at things like how do you deal with people in your workforce under 18? Is there an issue with that? Uh, you need to look carefully at all of these points and making sure how you try and control nice leaving uh, leaving your site, making sure that you're, you you know where you are with all of those aspects. So you, you can see it's actually from talking about simply cutting something to all the consequences of having a knife and blades on a, on a uh, working site. There's a lot of things that need to be taken into account. So Ian, if I can bring you in there one last time, anything else you'd like to add to that? Yeah, it's it's exactly again, like Chris said, you can go on for ever and a day of, of what we what we're trying to achieve and what we're trying to help with the, the end users and customers with. But what we do tend to find when we go on the sites is um they're always putting a cost, don't put a cost on how much a knife is straight away. If one of the first questions will be, you know, safety is paramount. We've got safety signs all over the reception area. But one of the first questions would be when you show them a knife is how much. Okay. It should, shouldn't be about how much it is. We don't yeah. go on and, and work towards how much it's going to be. We always work at, is it the right knife to do the right job? Once we've worked that one out, then we should, and the work staff should be in a lot safer position. So in closing, obviously we've covered a lot. I would encourage everyone that hasn't already to watch the webinar on demand. As I said a couple of times, you can get CPD certificate. It's one hour CPD certificate if you do watch the on demand service. All you need to do is go to our website, hsmsearch.com, and you can click on the webinar tab in the main navigation. You can drop down and uh, look at the Martel webinar there. Well worth the listen. It's completely free if you haven't already registered to do so. It's completely free to go in there. But Chris, if I just end up with you if people want to find out more information about stationize or more information about mart or how can they get in touch with you um they can go onto our website we've got our details there martor.co.uk uh they can contact us uh, directly into the office as well and we've got support there or get in touch via you mark or directly to us individually and we we can we can get back to them Brilliant. Well, Ian, Chris, thank you for a great webinar. Thank you for joining me on the podcast. It's been an absolute pleasure to sit down with you again. And hopefully everyone's got everything they need now and how to reduce knife injuries. So thanks, guys. I really appreciate your time. Thank you. Thanks, Mark.
So that concludes the latest edition of the Health and Safety Matters podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you to our sponsor, the Health and Safety Event. As I said before, you can attend the Health and Safety Event for free on the 7th to 9th of September 2021 at the NEC in Birmingham. And it's obviously collocated with the fire safety event, the security event and the facilities event. One pass gets you entry to all of those shows. And it's also collocated with the emergency services event, too, for the first time. So if that wasn't enough reasons to go, there's another one for you to go. And all you need to do to register for free is go to www.healthandsafetyevent.com. So if you want to get more information on HSM, please go to our website, hsmsearch.com. You can sign up to receive our publication six times a year for free or to get our twice a week e-newsletter. Obviously, I've extensively today gone through all of the huge archive of webinars that we've got, but also the tremendous amount of webinars and conferences that we've got coming up. So I do hope that you'll go over to hsmsearch.com, click on the webinars tab and go through that because you can get CPD for all of that. So thanks again for joining me and I look forward to seeing you next time on the Health and Safety Matters podcast.